Good morning. And turn with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 9 this morning. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 15 through 22 would be our focus this morning. We'll be answering the question, or the author of the text will be answering the question, why the blood of Christ or the necessity, or why was it necessary that Christ die? On the cross. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 15 through 20. And I'll read, start reading at verse 11 in order for us to remember the context of what the author has already said. Hebrews chapter 9, starting at verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things, that have come then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. He entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal, eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more would the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promise, promise eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who Uh, The one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the, the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Amen. Amen. This is God's holy word. In our society, As you can see in the text, we're talking about death. In our society, death is not something we readily celebrate, is it? Death is is not something that we look forward to. We never look forward to someone dying. Uh, And when someone dies, there is sorrow. Uh, when, When someone causes another person to die, we look at that type of of heinous uh, that that type of heinousness that 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 wicked act we look at that as if that person deserves death in our society they deserve to be locked up and if the death is to the point to where society deems that person is put to death so when we think about death in our society death is not celebrated but when we think about Christ Jesus Christ and why he had to die. When we think about that question, why did he have to die? It, it, it points to this reality that this is how bad your sin and my sin is. Uh, your sin is, is, is so bad. It, it is against a holy God. And, and this is the tragedy. 
This is the tragedy of our sin. Our sin is a tragedy because it is against a holy God and holy God in order for for holy God to bring uh, men, women, boys and girls uh, into a saving relationship with him. Christ had to die. He, he had to die. So when we think about Christ and, and, and his death, we celebrate that reality. We, we celebrate the fact that that Christ had to die. And, and as, as I watched the passion of the Christ last night and just to kind of remind me uh, of what we'll be talking about here today, even though we celebrate it, as I was watching the passion of the Christ, my heart was sad. We celebrate Christ and his death, but his death, the reality that Christ, the Holy One, had to die for, for your sin and my sin, that brings a sense of, of sorrow and joy to the heart at the same time. It, it is Christ's death, Christ's death that is the remedy for, for our guilty conscience. It, it, it is also uh, Christ's death is also the cure for a prideful heart. What do you mean by that? Just think about anything that you have done good this week. Anything that you have done good on this day. That good ended at the cross of Jesus Christ. Any good that you have done, anything that you can boast in, what it got you was the death of Jesus Christ. It, it is Christ, Christ, Christ's death that, that reminds us that, that there is none good, there is none righteous. No, not one. All of your goodness ends at the cross of Jesus Christ. It ends with Christ dying on the cross. Your sin required holy, innocent God meant the God man, the Lord Jesus Christ to be put to death. And as I was watching the Passion of the Christ and was reminded and watching that as wicked men put him to death. And at one point, the, they had Christ stretched out. And this is a depiction of what happened to Christ. They had him stretched out and, and they couldn't get uh, one of his hands to the point to where the nails was. And, and Jesus submitted to those men who tied a, a string, uh, tied a rope around this arm and they stretched it out. And it popped out of place. And, and Jesus, I'll just imagine Christ submitting, not resisting those men. He submitted to them, taking his hands and laying upon the place where the nails would go. And the nails would nail to his hand. He submitted to that. He submitted to this hand being, uh, nails being put in his hand. He submitted to nails being put in his hand. He submitted to nails being put in his feet. And he did that because of your sin. Where is our boast? We have no boast. We have no boast. And this is what Paul, Paul, he, he celebrated this reality. In, in, in his, in, in, in what the passage that Pastor Moore read, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse, verse 14, he said, for the love of Christ controls us. It, it, it compels us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died and, and he died for all that those who might who live might no longer live for themselves. But for him who for their their sake died and was raised. Oh, Christ, Christ so loved us. He loved us so much that he submitted to the to the the plans of wicked men. He willingly submitted to the plans of wicked men in order to, to show us, in order to show us that this is the, the, the good news of the gospel is that I took your place. <laughs> I took your place. 
And it is it is Christ's death. It is the blood that Christ shed that reminds us that the holy God of heaven, as Pastor Mark said, he is no longer angry with us. Those who have embraced Christ as their savior, the, the holy God of heaven has forgiven your sins. He has forgiven the sins of those of you who have embraced Christ by faith. God has forgiven your sins. And this is the, the length of, of what God has done to forgive your sins. Your sins are forgiven. It, it was Christ's death that necessitated uh, the, the, it was our sin that necessitated Christ's death, and now we have peace with God. So we, we think of death differently when it comes to Christ. Even though it, 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 it troubles us, it gives us joy knowing that Christ has suffered on our behalf. And, and, and the author, he is encouraging these Hebrew Christians, they're tempted to turn back to Turn back to 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 going back and and doing the the sacrificial giving and doing the sacrificial worship under the old covenant. They're tempted to go back and the and the writers in a sense is saying that he's going to lift up Christ and say and, and and point to the fact that Christ died and there was purpose in his dying. Christ secured our eternal redemption. We saw that last week. And the writer, he is keep he keeps hitting on this reality that that Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. Look with me at verse 15. The writer says, therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has has occurred that redeems them from the, the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Notice that this text starts with the word therefore or or, or since this this takes us back to what the author has has just said in the previous blood in the previous verses where where the he showed that the blood of Christ is superior to to the blood of the Old Testament sacrifice. The author has has made the the argument that Christ's blood did what no other uh, no animal sacrifice could do. Look at verse nine. It says. Uh, which is symbolic of this present age, according to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot, cannot, absolutely cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. Uh, uh, Christ's blood has has perfected the conscience. Christ, it is Christ's blood that has has freed our guilty conscience from the guilt of sin. And, and the writer has said that Christ has secured eternal redemption. It, it is eternal. It's redemption that is eternal. It is, it is a redemption that, that we need not a earthly priest to go and offer a sacrifices year after year. The redemption that Christ offers is eternal redemption, the writer has said. And he has reasoned, and he has reasoned this. He said, pointing back to the to the old covenant, if the if there was purification in a, in a, in an external way, there was purification under the the old covenant. He said, then it was limited, though. If there was purification in an external way by blood, uh, by the blood of bulls and goats, and the sprinkling of a defiled person with the ashes of a heifer, he says, if 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 that enabled the defiled sinful worshiper to 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 continue to worship God to worship God he says how much more would the blood of Christ who the, the uh who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God cleanse and purify the conscience of those who come to him who those who it, it enable them to to turn from trusting in 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 dead works or legalistic ceremonies that that give no spiritual life the, the blood of Christ is is so potent that it enables the worshiper to turn away from offering sacrifices to, to, to serve the living God. That is how potent and powerful the blood of Christ is when it is rightly understood. It, it, it is Christ. It, his, his death is, is so effective. It, it, is, it is so effective as Calvin, uh, John Calvin noted. He says, now of a believer, he says, we seek, quote, we seek not the things that are ours, but the, but those which are of the Lord's will. 
and and will serve to advance his glory. This is what the 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 the, the blood of Christ, the death of Christ is understanding. It frees us from serving ourselves to serving God. And this is what, what the, the writer has has covered in the in the previous verses. And now he says, because of what Christ has done, Christ is the the mediator of a new covenant. He's already outlined this 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 new covenant. Remember, we we talked about the new covenant in depth uh, as given by Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter thirty one verses thirty one through thirty four. The author has already covered this in in Hebrews chapter eight verses eight through twelve. And and he's already said that Christ is a mediator. A mediator, remember, is a, a person who stands between God and man. The old priest served as a type of mediator, but their mediation uh, was never complete. They had to continually offer sacrifice after sacrifice. Uh, they Their mediation did not allow the, the worshiper to approach God. Remember that that the offering of the sacrifice was done by in the in the tabernacle by the priest. The the average Israelite couldn't come in to the tabernacle to worship God. That was under the old covenant, but there there is a new covenant where God will come and change the heart of of the worshiper. Sins are forgiven, and and this is the the covenant that Christ is a mediator of, as the God Man. Christ is the God Man who represents both. God and man, uh, his death as the God man uh, is a, that which bridged the, the gulf between holy God and, and sinful man. His death bridged that gulf, that infinite gulf, enabling uh, sinful man and holy God to come together in, in intimate fellowship. It was Christ that enabled it. So it was Christ who, who now is the mediator of, of this covenant. This, this glorious covenant of God that, that now perfects the conscience of the worshiper. And, 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 and this, 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 this reality, this mediation uh, by Christ, uh, it, it, is, it, is, it has given us blessings. And the writer points to uh, one of those blessings. Look at the text. He says, uh, so that those, uh, Christ is the mediator of, of, of the new covenant. And this is the purpose, so that. Those who are called may receive the promise eternal inheritance. Christ, notice the text. This is important. Notice the text. Christ is a mediator of a particular group of people. See that in the text. He says, so that those who are called may receive the promise eternal inheritance. Christ is the mediator of a particular group of people. His death secures eternal redemption and the promise of eternal inheritance for a specific group of people. And who is it that Christ is the mediator? His death is the mediator uh, that he mediates. His death is, is he is the mediator of. Who are those people? The text says, those who are called. It, it is those alone, beloved, who receive the promised eternal inheritance. The writer has already identified these believers as those who were called. He said in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, he has identified them as holy brothers who share in a heavenly calling. He's already identified these believers as those who are called that they are among uh, those who have graciously been called by God. Those whom the Father, uh, as Paul said in, 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 in Ephesians, those whom God has chosen before the foundation of the world. This, this is who the called are. This, this is a call. They have been called and they're called. This calling uh, 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 of these are the, those who are called, they're called is undeserved. It's not something that they were worthy of, not something that they deserve. That's what the this this verb is, is pointing to. It's a passive verb. Those who are called, 
They don't, we don't call ourselves to salvation. It is God who, who in eternity past has made the call for the chosen ones to come, to come. This is an effectual call. It's effectual, meaning that when God calls, those whom God calls come. Lazarus, come forth. When the Lord said that, guess what? Lazarus came forth. Lazarus responded to the effectual call of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it's an effectual call. It is an undeserving call. It is a call of, of a specific group of people. It, it is a call that is certain. Lazarus came, he, the, our Lord said, Lazarus come forth. It was certain. It was certain. Lazarus wasn't thinking about it. Lazarus didn't go ask anybody's opinion about it. The Lord said, Lazarus come forth and Lazarus obeyed. He got up and he obeyed the Lord of heaven. This is a certain call. It is inevitable. When God calls, there may be some of you who haven't come to Christ yet. And, and, and if you are one of the let God has called you, you will come. So the writer said, those who are, who are called. Paul speaks more about this in chapter, uh, Romans chapter, uh, chapter eight. Romans chapter eight. Listen to the certainty. The certainty of God's call. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. This call, this, this, this efficacious call should give us comfort. It should give us comfort. Listen to Romans 8 and 28. It says, and we know, this is, this is certain, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. <laughs> Hallelujah. For those, listen what he says. He says, who love, uh, the, uh, who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Paul goes on explaining, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Look at verse number 30. Listen to the certainty of this call. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, listen, beloved, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Hallelujah. It's a done deal. This 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 call is a, is a is a a completed state. It is our condition. All that all for whom Christ died, they're saved, and for all who are saved, receive the eternal inheritance. Paul said it this way in Colossians chapter one, verse 12, giving thanks to, to, to the father who has qualified you to share in the uh, inheritance of the saints in life. This, this is an inheritance we have received, not because we deserve it, but because we have been called by God. And, and, and Peter describes the inheritance this way. It's an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled. And will not fade away, reserved for you, reserved in heaven for you, Peter says in First Peter chapter one, verse four. Those who are called may receive the promise, eternal inheritance because of the death of Jesus Christ. So not only have death, the death of Christ enabled the, the call to receive an inheritance, the death of Jesus Christ also redeems. It, it, it also redeems. And, 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 and if, before we even get to the text, I just want to give you this little nugget. Have you ever asked the question how the people from the Old Testament saved? How, how are they saved? How, how are those people whom God has called, 
the, in, in the Old Testament, how they saved. And, and, and this is what the author is getting ready to get at. He, he's already established that the, the Old Covenant uh, was, was unable to save, not because the Old Covenant was flawed, but because men were flawed. That the people of God, they were just unable to keep the covenant law. And, and it showed that no works could get you into heaven. So how are these, how are these, these, these individuals under the, 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 the old covenant, how are they saved? Well, Christ's blood solved that problem. It, it was, it was, it was Christ's blood that, that solved that, that problem. Look at the text. It says, uh, since since a, a a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions commended uh committed under the first covenant listen, listen to that it says since a death has occurred whose death christ's death and it says since a death has occurred christ has died that this his death it says a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Christ, it is Christ's sacrificial death that worked backwards. It worked back to the Old Testament and it worked forward to us and to all who embrace Christ in the future. The blood of Christ worked backward to save the Old Testament saints and it worked forward to save all of us who are saved here today. Notice the, the, the looking back. It, it says that uh, it, it, uh, those who are redeemed, uh, it, that, that uh, death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed. Notice it's the first covenant. It, 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 this, this is, this is talking about the, uh, the, the, uh, efficacious nature of, of Christ's blood to, to cleanse all, to include those who in the Old Testament who offered the blood of, of animals, uh, and, and they looked in faith. They didn't necessarily see Christ, but they saw in, in the blood that there was, uh, uh someone coming in the future to do what these sacrifices could not do. This is how those who are saved in the Old Testament and, and for us today, Romans, matter of fact, turn to Romans chapter three. We'll see both of these in Romans chapter three, verses, verse starting at verse number 24. In fact, we'll go back up to verse number 23. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I mean, that includes everybody, right? I mean, this is this is absolute. No one, nobody is missed in this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. Now, we're talking about those who have been called, those who have embraced Jesus Christ. They are justified by uh, God's grace as a gift. They didn't work for it. And, and how did this, this, this justification by God's grace, how did it come? It came through the, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Uh, God put forth Christ as the as the, the the sacrifice that that absorbed his righteous, holy wrath against sin. And it was it was it was done so in a public way where people could see and understand that Jesus Christ, who who had not sinned, is suffering the penalty of our sin. God put him forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith to show to, uh, 
This was to show God's righteousness because in his, here it is for the Old Testament saints, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Both of us is included in this passage here. Old Testament saints, New Testament saints, we are justified by grace through the redemption, uh, uh, justified by grace through faith through the redemption that Christ has wrought. The Old Testament saints as well, when God passed over their sins, the one that immediately comes to mind is, is the sin of David. We read in Psalm 51, the sin that David committed, God passed over that sin. David deserved to die. God passed over that sin because of what he would do in Christ. And for all who are in the, that God is called in the Old Testament, for all that was, was saved in the Old Testament, they were saved because of what God would do in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it was only Christ's death. And you can read more about that in Galatians chapter 3, verses uh, 10 through 14. Saved by faith, through faith in, in Jesus Christ. We, we're not saved by, by works. The Old Testament saints were not saved by works. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, Paul says, In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. This is how we're redeemed. He says, redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, of God's grace. It is Christ's death that redeems those who have transgressed and broken God's law. But, but why death? Why death? So not, not a writer. He, he's going to convince his readers of the necessity of Christ's death. He's going to explain why the death of Christ was necessary to ensure that he is the mediator of the new covenant. And he gives two explanations. He offered two explanations. For the first explanation, uh, the, the, the first point of his argument, he points to the legal practice of a will. Some of you may have a will. You, and, and, and what a, the purpose of a will is to, is to put uh, on paper uh, in, in a way that is legal and binding, it put on paper where you want your goods to go when you die what a will is and so this is uh, the writer uses the the legal practice of a will to to give us a reason for christ's death uh, a will he points out it does not take effect without someone dying first look at verse 16 and 17 he says for where a will is involved the death of the one who made it must be established must be established how is it established well, the one who made it is dead. <laughs> That's how it's established. Verse 17, for a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Now, before we get into the text, I know if you're Bible students, you're already asking, well, well Christ ain't dead, is he? Who got a problem with this text if, it says that it only takes effect only at death since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Well, the author is only taking the, the legal aspect of this. And he's bringing it forward to point to, uh, to, point to Christ. So the, the term here uh, for will uh, in the ESV and the uh, uh, NIV, they said will or, or uh, the King James Version. Uh, the King James Version says that the, the will here is a testament. Or if you got the NASB, it says covenant. But in the marginal reading, it has a testament. The author, uh, the, I should say the translators were trying to figure out how to approach this word. It's the same word for covenant. This word will is the same word for covenant that is used throughout this passage. So they're try, they tried to figure out, well, how can we, how can, how can we say this? in a way that is accurate. And so the, the translator uh, uh, has taken the term and, and, uh, and said that it's a will or, or a testament in, in most translations. But uh, again, what, what does this say about Christ? Is that the inheritance that, that was just mentioned, the eternal inheritance, 
How is it possible that the call uh, gained that blessing? It is through the death of Jesus Christ. A will, uh, a will is 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 uh, uh, is is uh, in a sense a, a person who is. Uh, who has possessions and inheritance and they're they're passing it along and that and a will is is activated when when a person dies it, it is activated when the one who makes the will dies and that's the point that the writer is making the new covenant is like a will it's like a will the benefits of the new covenant are uh dis, uh are are given out based upon the death of Jesus Christ and so the, the writer is making the point to these believers that that the that that death is is uh, is, is necessary in order for the blessings, the, the blessings that God has 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 promised to his children in Christ. In order for those blessings to be given to the children, Christ had to die. And that, so that's that's the. The, the point that the writer is making here, but he's also making uh, another point that the the this Christ dying is, is not unique. It, it's not it's not unique in its re, the, the 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 new covenant is not unique in its requirement of blood. Perhaps there are some who 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 found fault with the fact that Christ had to die. And the, and the author is going to make the point that even the first covenant required blood. You may have some people, some of your friends who turns up their nose at the fact that Christ had to die. Christ, the God man, had to die. But that's been God's. That's been the testimony throughout the scripture that blood is shed in, in, in response to sin. Look at what the writer says in verse 18. He says, therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, it says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it, and it's uh, talking about God, I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your sins. For it is the blood that makes atonement for life. What is the, the penalty of sin? What is the wages of sin? Death. And and in the under the old covenant, that point was a everyday reality. Uh, it, it was a it was a, a everyday reality. The, the 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 old covenant sacrificial system was a bloody. It was bloody. It was blood everywhere. It it, it was bloody. And 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 that reality pointed to the fact that in order for for God to forgive sins. There had that was that was a reminder. The people offered the sacrifices. The 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 throat of the animals was slashed and blood flowed. That that blood was a reminder to the people of the penalty of their sin. Year after year, day after day, that blood flowing from the animals showed that that God has has given uh, these sacrifices as a temporary payment for their sin. And so the, the sacrifices uh, of the old covenant, uh, they, they pointed to Jesus Christ. They, they pointed to the, to the necessity of the death of Jesus Christ. And, and, if, and again, if we look carefully in Scripture, we'll see that death was always necessary. This is, we, we see it, this has been God's plan ever since man's fall in the garden, all the way back to Genesis chapter three, verse 21, where God provided for Adam and Eve's shame, their shame of their, their sin to be covered in Genesis chapter three, verse 21. And it says, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them garments of what type of skin? Animal skins, not human skins, animal skins. Uh, and from, from the beginning, when Adam and Eve died, an animal had to die. God took the, the skin. Remember, Adam and Eve were ashamed because they were naked. And, 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 and God providing, graciously providing for them 
took it don't we don't know what the animal was but but God uh took the 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 skins of an animal and clothed them so that they would not feel ashamed anymore and so so and 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 is that that really doesn't say that's really not saying much about Adam and Eve it's really saying what uh much about God and what God required John MacArthur quoted on Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, he says this. He says, the first physical death should have been man and his wife. Should have been Adam and Eve, he says. But it was an animal, a shadow of the reality that God would someday kill a substitute to redeem sinners, end quote. It's always been God's answer. If you run across somebody today who looks upon the uh, Christ and his death and say uh, a loving God wouldn't do that, take them back to the Old Testament. That's all you got to do. Know your Bible. Take them back to the Old Testament. And, and, and show and walk through from Genesis that, that God has always required death because of man's sin. And so the author he gives a second explanation. He says that Jewish worship, everything was needed to be cleansed by blood. Look at verse number 19. For where, for when every commandment of the law had been declared by, by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats and the water and scarlet, scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people. And uh, verse 20, saying, this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. Uh, this is a uh, this is this is quoted from uh, Exodus chapter chapter 24. And, and and what the author is pointing to is that that the the specific regulations that were associated uh, with the temple worship, it, it required sacrifice. It required uh, uh, blood to be shed. It required that blood be shed and blood sprinkled. Verse number 21. And in the same way, he sprinkled with blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. So not only did Moses sprinkle, it says the scroll and the people with blood and ratifying the covenant, he, he also sprinkled the tabernacle and its, and its instruments. And, and and why was blood thrown on everything? Because the blood symbolized the the execution of God's covenant that He will forgive His people. So this, the the shedding of blood pointed to the consequences of sin, and it also pointed to the fact that God is a forgiving God as well. And so the, 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 and we see this under the first covenant. And so the author, he sums up, he sums up what, what he's been saying in verse 22. Without the shedding of blood, sins are not forgiven. Indeed, he says, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Absolute. A that's an absolute statement. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of, of sin. Under the Old Testament, for us today in the, in the New Covenant, there had to be blood shed in order for sins to be forgiven. This is a, a point that we're to embrace and to cherish as we believe it. That's why we come together on the Lord's, uh, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, what are we celebrating? We're celebrating uh, that Christ has died and he shed his blood so that we can experience the blessings of the new covenant. So blood had to be shed under, under the old covenant. The shedding of blood showed that death has occurred. When a, when a blood was sprinkled, it, it points to the fact that an animal had died, that a death has, recur, has occurred. And as the, the, the priest sprinkled the blood, it, it showed that an that, uh, uh, animal had to die, death has occurred, and that uh, the death has occurred because of sin. And since death has occurred, sins are forgiven. 
Our sin is, is, is a big deal. It's a bigger deal than most of us think. Most of us think that sin, our sin is just some, some little, you know, little thing, some little, little thing that we do here and there. No, our sin is a big deal. It, 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 is a, it, is a, it is a big deal because the punishment of our sin is death. It required death. Romans chapter 3, uh, verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're, the reality is that uh, sin has to do with all of us. And, 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 and death is, is the requirement. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin, the payment of sin is death. But Paul doesn't end there. But the gift, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we, 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 can, we celebrate the Lord's death. We, we celebrate the Lord's death because it is in the Lord's death we see and understand the mercy of God. Holy God in his mercy put forth Christ and and uh, for our sin, the, the blood of Christ is, is is so important. Nothing is more important than the blood of Christ. N- nothing in your life can, can I say it this way? Nothing in your life. I know we got Christmas coming up, and you know some of you probably got Christmas trees up, and you got presents under the Christmas tree. Can I tell you this? Nothing, irregardless. The presence under the Christmas tree, the job that you have, the spouse that you have, the children that you have. Nothing is more important than the blood of Jesus Christ in your life. Can can I say it that way? Nothing is more precious or nothing should be more precious. If you're a believer, nothing should be more precious to you than the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing is more important than that. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 through 21, encouraging these believers who are going through persecution. He says, knowing that you were redeemed from the futile ways inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold. Those things are precious, but they're perishable. Peter goes on, he said in verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Verse 20, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in the last times for the sake of you. Who through him are believers in God, Peter said, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Christ's blood is precious. It is essential for saving souls. So as we go into this Christmas season, tell others about it. Tell others about the blood of Jesus Christ because it has freed you to be able to do that. It has freed you from living a legalistic life to a life that is compelled, that is motivated, uh, that you are motivated in your inward man, in your soul by the blood of Jesus Christ to, 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 to serve God, to love Christ, to tell others about Jesus Christ. This is a, a eternal, this is an internal work. It's an internal work. You say, I want to tell others about Jesus Christ. Well, you need to get into the word and let the word of God work on your heart. Let it work on your soul. Let it motivate you. Let it move you to go tell others. Is it, a, is it not enough? Is it not, a, is not the blood of Jesus Christ enough motivation to serve Christ, to make his fame known? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this, for this timely reminder 
as we go into this this season in which we are often distracted with things of this world, thank you for this timely reminder of, of Christ, the one who was born, the one who came into this world and, and was born as a baby and was put in a manger. This one who is Christ came to die. That is why he came into the world. He came into the world in order to die for our sins. And Father, may this reality during this season be so precious to us. May it be so, may, may this reality have such a grip of, of our soul that we will run out and tell others about him. Because the reality is this. If they're not saved, they're only going to be saved through faith in Christ who died on the cross. That that is the only way that they're going to be saved. And I pray, Father, that we become people, that we become people who hide behind the cross, that we go and we have Christ and, and him crucified on our minds and, and on our tongues so that we can tell this, those who are in this fallen world who are, who are if they don't come to you, they're going to die in their sins. So, so the, the Christ and, and the knowledge of Christ and the proclamation of the death of Christ, it, it, there's eternal, there's eternal consequences involved here there's eternal eternal consequences involved in the lives of those who turn away from the from christ who died upon the cross i want your people to feel this lord not know it in their minds i want i want them to feel it in their hearts that they will be compelled like the Apostle Paul. He was compelled knowing that, that one died, all have died. Thank you again, Father, for this reminder of Christ's death. I pray that you do your work in your people for the sake of his glory and his honor. In his name I pray, amen.